It is another edition of Extra Bases with Bristol and Booth, and it's become, this is like a special edition or a limited edition, Jeremy, because unfortunately, we just haven't had time to record a podcast, so these have become like limited editions. You know, you see your butter in the store, you see your certain candy bars, they're limited editions. That's what this podcast has now become, a limited edition. Okay, so I haven't had time to run into a razor, okay? Look, let alone, let alone get into, um, you know, this this type of mode. We've been talking baseball, we've been communicating, but um, it's been very, very busy here uh, this time of year. And, and you know, I try to save my best bullets for Sports Extra, and no, I'm kidding. It's just, it's, it's been something that uh, we've talked about. We finally got 30 minutes or 45 minutes where it's going to take to get going, so I'm, I'm happy about that. All right, well, I'm, I'm going to say let's do this in 25 because I'm hungry. So right. um, the big news on this June the 3rd, Friday, the Astros have, uh, I guess, now signed. I know they agreed to an extension, six years, $115 million with Jordan Alvarez. Certainly, Jordan Alvarez will go down as one of the greatest moments in the history of this podcast. Your, your re- report on him from 2019, the general consensus I'm getting from people and my initial reaction when I saw the deal was, wow, that's a, that's a bargain. That's a steal for Jordan Alvarez, considering... A, the production he has or provides now, and B, the production he will provide in the future. But it's interesting, when I talked to you earlier today, you kind of had a different take. Um, Tell the people what that take was and why you feel that way. Well, I mean, we only had a couple of minutes, but I I feel like the markets are kind of going that way in some ways. I think the Astros took a look at Carlos Correa, for example, and what he was – well, insisting on, I, I don't use the word demanding because I, you get what, you know, I hate to say it, but you know, the market is what the market is, but he was insisting on the moon and the Astros decided we don't want to give you the moon. We want to spread the moon around a little bit. Right. And so they decided to give a couple of craters or a couple of uh, acres of real estate over here to Jordan Alvarez. And um, he took almost 20 million a year, you know, which is more money he's ever going to spend the rest of his life. I mean, if you think about that, six years at 115, it doesn't preclude them from signing another deal later. It gives the Astros flexibility to do more things they need to do to continue to win, which with the state of their system. So, I, you know, I just, I feel like that's a smart move. I, you know, look, without getting into the, you know, and I, I say this gently, the, the work. Hi, hi Bernie. I burn the niche, you know, uh, dad was gone for a minute, so he's back and you know, it is what it is. Um, but, you know, without some of the word salad of preponderance of evidence or, you know, uh, heart of a champion margarine hat. I mean, without doing any of that stuff, you know, we're just going to go straight forward and say this is a big sign for the Astros. Jordan did, did what he thought he should do in this type of a market. Um, you know, he's reading the tea leaves here. He wants to stay here. The fan support, that's a smart move for him. So what you're saying is with Jordan Alvarez reading the tea leaves, the fact that he is basically a DH, I mean, granted, arguably the best one in baseball, that maybe the mega deal that some people think um, might be out there might not be out there because of the current economic climate. Is that what you're basically saying? I'm saying that in this market, he's a designated hitter. and, And in this climate, of uh, you know, where the game is at and with, with the fans out there with what they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis right now, you, you know, he's the, he's the epitome quite literally the player that if you don't hit, you don't get anything. 
his designated hitter, right? So in order to stay here and get almost $20 million a year to secure himself for life, uh, being a city that he knows, being a city that he loves, that loves him back, those are the type of moves you make if you're a player that wants to be here. And he did that, and he's going to have the fan support um, and love, and it's although it's more money than any of us will ever see in, in, in our lifetime for playing baseball, um, and, and most people will ever see at the same time, it now entrenches him in Houston as, as, as kind of somebody in the Astros legend category just by doing something like that. Now, the free agent years, basically the Astros buying out those free agent years, those seasons he'll be paid $26 million. So the contract, certainly the AAV is around $20 million, but when you look at the actual seasons, um, later in the contract he's getting paid $26 million, which is by no means anything to um, you know thumb your nose at. So um, even at $26 million, I think, given what he's capable of, I still think that it's – Look, when you look at the best young hitters in baseball, he's right up there with Juan Soto. I mean, granted, Juan Soto provides more in terms of defensive value, but Jordan Alvarez is becoming what you said he was or what the peop- your trusted scouts told you was that, you know, he's either or he's either he might not be. Oh, my God. I said he, I said he might. He's not, I'm not saying he's David Ortiz. I'm not saying he's Ryan Howard, but he might be. And that was something that came from a very uh, a trusted evaluator who is skins on the wall, as we say, who has you know, done a lot of damage in this game in a positive way. Um, one of the best evaluators in baseball. And, and uh, he nailed it, boy. He nailed it. You know, it's funny. Peter Gammons nailed it, too, like two days later. Like, he was, it was amazing. You know, he came out the woodwork with similar thoughts, almost exact words. Like, he may have got that from somewhere. You know, it's funny. I forgot about that. I didn't I forgot about that. I did. You know, we should have asked him in Boston when I was talking to him, right? We're on yes. The hey, where did you get those comps from? Because, you know, it's funny. A couple of days earlier, I had to send, said the exact same thing in a podcast. Might have heard it. Might not have heard it. Either way, Jordan Alvarez, he heard it. Jordan Alvarez is, uh, is, is well on his way to, uh, you know, look, he's, he's Carlos Delgado for me. I mean, you know, I hadn't seen him at the time, and I understand the production and the role. And you're talking about – big bat first baseman. I mean, David Ortiz, a Hall of Famer, signed by our very own Gordon Blakely, right? Um, but, you know, I think he's Carlos Delgado. I think it's a carbon copy of that. And any of those guys anchor your lineup for a long time. Of course, you've been busy with your events for New Balance Future Stars Series, Program 15. Um, the draft is coming up in July. And when I look at this group of players available who are making a lot of noise right now it's funny jeremy i see your fingerprints on quite a few of them i see your fingerprints jeremy on quite a few of them from your perspective how many first rounders could you or your organization have this july when the 2022 major league baseball draft wraps up its its opening rounds you know, the collective, because we talk about here the collective, the partner programs or players that have come through organizations that we work with, um, the collective could have as many as, as, as if you're doing just the first 30, I'd say seven or eight. If you're doing, you know, I don't know how many comp picks are, but let's say we went to 60 for 60 players, for 75 players, um, 20, 20, 25, you know, and if you went to 100, maybe 40, you know, it just really depends how guys move stuff around, signability. Um, you know, looking at the draft this year versus, you know, future years, this year's not um, with all the injuries in college pitching, it's not lining up, I think, as people thought, but I think that's also a cautionary tale, 
right? Is do we take these guys that are throwing 100 at 16 years old, or do we take guys with upside and ceiling? Do we take um, players that are what we call the obvious ones that don't have a whole long, um, uh, don't have much role upside and just are, are present tools uh, only um, that are promoted, say, by certain groups out there? Or do we take guys that are actually scouted with impact roles in the future? What I also have noticed when you look at some of these prospect lists, and I don't know if this means that we are starting to see, I don't want to call it a shift, but some positive news when it looks at look when you're looking at the development of 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 baseball is the number of black players who be could be selected this year in the first round it could be a, a, a higher number than we've seen in years have you noticed that as well um you know i, I i've noticed that there is a push to get players back in the game um and reclaim some of the opportunities that have been taken away. And, and I say take away, not because, you know, there's some, ma you know, some master plan up there. I, I just think that some of the economics, and I don't limit that to minorities. I think just there's people in general, the economics of the game have become very difficult for people to, to uh, participate in, you know, I mean, 400 bucks for a bat. I had a conversation today with a, a, very, a very prominent group um, that's very active in, 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 let's call it player health and player longevity. Right. And, and it's, it really has a lot to do with um, some of the opportunities are limited if you don't have a certain amount of money. And you have other event providers out there who will kind of um, manipulate that system a little bit uh, to, to make that work through travel organizations that participate with them because they don't want that, that rep. It's, it's, it's eyewash because, you know, Major League Baseball and the players around it and the, and the clubs don't uh, see, see right through that. But at the end of the day, to see players positioning themselves um, and get more back into more of a diverse game, I do think is a credit to some of the initiatives that Major League Baseball has run through with Tony Regans and Del Matthews um, and, and primarily the Players Association and their goals of diversifying their membership. Now, that's not saying that anybody um, is, that's not saying that anybody is uh, trying to push one over the other. What we are saying is that if you have good athletes and good players who are traditionally part of this game, to see that area of your population or your representation dwindle is probably not healthy for baseball. And the fact that that's coming back the other way, that's a good thing. One article regarding the upcoming draft, which caught my eye was the one from the athletic when, where Jim Bowden, uh, former general manager, major league baseball, MLB draft standouts. Jim Bowden ranks the top 10 prospects in 2022. At number one, he had Drew Jones, Andrew Jones's kid. Number two, Jackson Holiday, Matt Holiday's kid. At number three, Elijah Green, the son of former NFL tight end Eric Green. At number four, Tamar Johnson. At number five, Brooks Lee from Cal Poly. At six, Jacob Berry from LSU. At number seven is a guy that you know very well, Cam Collier. Do you want to know what he wrote about Cam Collier? Um, I can't wait. What he Tamar Johnson? I know pretty well too. What did he? What did he uh, scouting grades, hitting. What do you think? Twenty to eighty. What do you think he put? I don't know if these are future or this guy. This guy might have put a forty-five on him. So hitting, he put a. Uh, 60 hmm. on Collier, 50 on power, 50 on fielding, running 55, arm 65. He writes at 17, Collier might be the highest risk pick among my top 10, but he also has one of the highest ceilings in the draft. 
Now, for those of you listening and or yeah, listening and what <laughs> and not watching, Jeremy has uh, pushed himself back to the farthest part of where he's sitting, away from the computer. Collier, six foot two left-handed hitter with a lot of room to grow physically and mentally. Collier, the son of former major leaguer Lou Collier, gives you goosebumps with his bat speed and the looseness in his hands and wrists. His hit tool is exciting. But we have seen people in the past mention the risk factor when it comes to Cam Collier. I know for a fact, listen, there's risk in everybody, but I know for a fact Jeremy doesn't believe it's that risky. I'm going to say this. That is absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, awful. And I do mean awful. But Jeremy, he has him ranked seventh, his seventh best prospect. That's that's fine. To say this this guy's a risky kid at 17, he just went to junior college baseball, which is stronger than ever right now because of all the transfer portal stuff. And I don't know, let's just say he did pretty well, okay? He's 17 years old, and all the guys you're putting ahead of him were hitting, and this is nothing against the guys that are ahead of him because they're all good players, right? But you're putting um, uh, a guy who doesn't have his defensive upside uh, in Tamar Johnson ahead of him. You're putting a guy in Jackson Holiday who has improved dramatically, but let's face it, it's facing Oklahoma high school pitching, which in any given day is, is good or not so good. Right. You're putting a guy in Drew Jones up there who is a very polished player who I'm not saying doesn't deserve his draft position, but doesn't have a whole lot of upside to grow into that. When you have these type of guys in that type of pedestal, it's usually because there's a whole lot of guesswork. Guesswork doesn't mean risk. Cam Collier's a year and a half younger than most of these guys and played two levels higher. If he was going into the draft as a senior next year and hadn't reclassified, we'd be falling over ourselves at 1-1 and thanking the good Lord that he was there at 1-1, okay? And now all of a sudden he's risky? You've got to be kidding. You have got to be kidding me. That is some of the worst. Whoever told him that, because you know he didn't see the kid, right? Whoever told him that, man, you got to have your card revoked. It's not risky just because he's 17. Are you kidding me? And it, by the way, 50 defender, you're light, you're light. 55 runner, you're a little bit heavy there. He can move, he can move as he settles in, it's average. But he's a 60 defender with a 65 arm, 60 power, and a 60 bat. You know what you call that player? A 60, okay? It's not somebody who is fought, that's a, that's in the bat ceiling every day. That's a joke. How about that? That's a joke. It's a bad joke. It's not really a funny joke, but it's still a joke. That's awful. Risky. Damn, Get out of here. Cam Collier statistics at uh, junior college in Florida, 333, eight homers, 47 runs driven in OPS of um, gosh, it's over 900 oh. close to a thousand. Oh, but he's risky. He's risky. Got it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I mean, his, his walks to strikeouts are basically one, one. Sounds like a lot of risk to me against guys throwing 95 every time out with breaking balls and, and really no command, but some kind of an idea. It's Chipola for Pete. Give me a break. That's awful. Risky. Seventh is great. Fine. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to argue when you're in the top 10, you don't really argue somebody's position because that's pretty good. What's five, two, four, seven, not, you don't argue that. Risky. What, bruh, what we got to do? What you got to do? That's what, you know, what he's going to do. And I'm glad he put that on paper because he's going to go to the Cape. Right now, 
I got a little funny, funny Cam story from earlier today. So Cam's going to Cape. You know he's going to tear it up up there. As a, temp, as a temp player or as a – No, he's, I mean, he's going to play for the summer. If he goes in at seven, he probably signs. But, he's, you know, he's yeah. going to go play. So you go out and, you, and, and he's up there. He's going to be in a Cape. Well, that's where 20-year-olds are, right? Uh, sometimes older than that. Right, and he's going to go do what he does, whatever that is. I got a feeling it's going to be pretty good. Is he risky then? Or is he a guy that gets to the big leagues at 19? I can't wait for that to happen. Now, Cam did something that, well, let's call it a Cam move, and it's what a lot of players should be doing. Cam is going to the MLB pre-draft combine. And today, you know, the MLB network's going to pump it up. You know, it's like like the draft league. Ah, oh, it's the best thing since sliced bread. And we got before there was Brett. That's what that's what they're back. Remember that? That's what they're doing with the combine. Now, combine's actually not a bad idea. I know because we do one, but it's not a bad idea. But the Cam's they're like, Hey Cam, you going you going to the combine? Can't wait to see you. How's that going to go? What do you expect to get out of? It? He's like, well, nothing. So I'm just taking my physical. I'm not playing. <laughs> it was great. It was great. Cam's got this down. He's going to be just fine, and that risk might be in the big leagues at 19. Cannot wait to hear you say, "Well, I said he had ceiling. How about he's not risky in the first place?" Big leagues at 19 could be 17 now. There's only four levels now. We don't have seven steps like we did before. He goes out and plays this summer in a complex. He's 18, goes to high A or low A ball, tears it up for half a year. He's, by the second half of the year, he's 18 and high A, tears that up. Goes to double A at 19, tears that up, 19 or 20. If he hits every step of the way, absolutely 19 or 20. And if it's seven, is that see, – see, nine is Kansas City because I saw something with them with Henry Bolte on there today, um, which is actually not bad. Seven is Cubs. Is that the Cubs? I don't know. I haven't even looked. That's the Cubs. So if that's the Cubs, he could arrive. I mean, he really could. He, there's not there, there, and he's Cam's the type of guy that with all this awful seven is the Cubs. Yeah, all this awful player development that, that, that's out there right now. Um, and and, and Joe Girardi should have taken me up on my offer before before he you know the axe fell. But with all this awful player development that's out there, I mean, Cam's a guy that doesn't need it. He doesn't need the help. He's a go play. He's got bloodlines, ease of operation, strike zone control, his defensive instincts, a good first step. I've seen this kid. You want to talk about risk. I saw this kid as a freshman, as a freshman, standing in against 95 miles an hour sink, running away from him in our national combine and said, I'm going to go get him and hit him out to left field. That's not risky. That's the opposite of risky. You know how many players can do that in this draft? Probably one. Okay. And I've seen him play. It's probably one guy. Tamar Johnson, I don't think, can do that. I know Elijah Green can't do that. Call your shot the other way. Are you kidding me? Man, miss me with this risky stuff. What are we doing? All right. Another thing that uh, caught my eye was I was scrolling through Facebook one day, and this article came up about a former Astros first round pick. And what was really, um, yeah, it just caught my, my attention, Jeremy. And um, the, the title of the article was former Astros number one pick shines in Philly's system. And listen, I'm not one to bash other people like that's fine. People can have their their opinions. But this one really I just kind of sat there and stared at my screen and I was like, what? We got we got let me just let me just um <laughs> let me just read something in bold face that's that's listed here in bold face one paragraph 
However, in the 2022 season at the age of 30, Mark Appel has thus far proved himself to no longer be a bust because he's 4-0 with a 1.80 ERA across 20 innings in AAA for the Phillies. He reminds me a little bit of Charlie Morton, who struggled mightily with injuries and poor performances early in his career to later become a star at the age of 33. If Appel keeps this up, there's no reason for the Phillies not to give him his first crack at the show later this year. Now that part, that last part, there's probably some truth to that. But comparing Charlie Morton and Mark Appel, he's 30 years old. He's facing guys who are 25 and 26 and 20. He's 30 years old. Yes, it's a great story. I mean, it is, I'm all for the underdog. Like, I'm all for it, Jeremy. I'm here for that. Now, is Mark Appel an underdog? Probably not. Former first overall pick. First overall pick. He's 30 years old, and he's... (laughs) He's two times. He's two time drafted in the first round. Um, I don't listen. I don't. I don't think. I, I feel like piling on Mark Appel is like, you know, like kicking a kicking a dead horse. I just I don't think it's necessary. The guys had a very interesting. But how how the is it climbing Tallahassee? Is that who it was climbing Tallahassee? Yeah. How those guys can sandwich him and Charlie Morton together in some kind of a word salad is beyond me. Like I don't know how you could do that. You know, you have to be able to um, separate the two guys. They're not the same player. Uh, you know, Mark Capel, if he gets to the big leagues, is very, he's right. It's a nice story, but those guys are more Homer than Homer Simpson. That is absolutely ridiculous. And they're basically holding up the torch for, you know, the guys that drafted him. And, oh, you know, he's, it's, he's going to look if Mark Capel goes out at 30 and pitches 10 years. I'll eat my hat. Okay. I'll eat it right here on, on extra bases. I'll eat my hat with some kind of sauce and some slappy mama, but I hope he gets to the big leagues for being this resilient just for him. And that's something that we should just be, he's just rejoicing. Not all picks work out. Not everybody's going to be a star because they have double A, triple A experience and certainly not at 30 years old. Matter of fact, if he wasn't succeeding in triple A at 30 years old, we have an even bigger problem. Being succeeding in triple A at 30 is expected. That's expected. Matter of fact, a lot of guys shut it down. At 30 years old, when they're when they're succeeding in AAA, go do something else. Just you know, Mark was from a family that is well to do and has and got a lot of money when he signed. And he's done some things in business, and you don't have to do that. He can go play. So you know, why don't we just focus on the fact that um, Mark's, Mark Mark Appel is having success in AAA, and as bad as the Phillies are doing, which is not good, which nobody could have seen that coming. I don't think this bad is bad. Nobody. There's not one person out there. They could have talked about how maybe the Phillip were, Phillies were developing their hitters, um, you know, may have gone, worked against the manager or the organization as a whole. Um, and I do believe that's their problem, right? Is it hitting? They, they don't swing the bat well. You see, I wish I had an O chart to figure out why that could be. I wish I would, could figure that out. Those guys, um, those guys should have listened. Boy, I tell you, you know, I want to call Joe. I want to call Joe and I want to say, hey, man. Um, a while back, I offered something. I know you're not there anymore, but I'll still do it for free. I'll still do it. I'll go out there, pay my own way. Just, just give me the authority for like one day. Like go back to an advisor. You know, I mean, talk to your boy Clintac, because Clintac, you know, is still on the payroll, I guess. You know, talk to Dave. Hey, Dave. You know, we go back a long ways. You know, I know I'm not here anymore. But can we? Can Can Booth go fire this guy? Please. I sw- I will do it. And I will be, I will do it happily, and all the Phillies nation will jump up and down and rejoice because it will no longer hit 065 as a team. 
Now, to be fair, Jeremy, they're not hitting 065 as a team. You're right. You're right. 068. I, I, I stand correct. I'm so sorry. They're hitting 246 as a team. Now, that average, actually, Jeremy, is ranked ninth in Major League Baseball. Okay. 246 as a team is garbage. Okay. It's not good. It's Basura. All right. The Astros are hitting 230 as a team. That's Basura as well. Okay. But the Astros have other things to help them win um, called the Seattle Mariners. So when you when you go back to what the Phillies are doing, they're playing in a tough division. Two forty six is not good. It's not what you should be sitting, hitting as a club. Um, it's their offense is an issue. Their wins are an issue. Uh, there's issues, and hopefully they'll get it figured out. Phillies are twelfth in OPS. Well, wasn't this fun, Jeremy? Didn't we miss all this? Like, yeah, haven't you missed this? This I find I think that this is very therapeutic for you. It's definitely needed. It's it definitely is needed. needed. It's definitely needed. Yeah. It was, uh, it's uh, next time I promise I will shave. You know, nah, that's fine. Listen, I mean, it was a pool day for me. So I showered and uh, got a little color and yeah, I see your yeah, skin color. yeah, it's yeah, out. yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I, that's the one thing I really enjoy about the summer is uh, pool time. Love it. Good workout, right. full body. Anyways, yeah, yeah. enough about us. You. All right, everybody. Uh, for Jeremy, I'm Jason. Thanks for tuning in to another Extra Bases with Bristol and Booth. Because this is a limited edition series, who knows when the next one will be, but we'll try next week. All right, everybody, take care.